All right, well, last week we looked at Luke chapter 2. It's kind of confusing. We have similar parallel stories, same chapter of a different gospel. But Luke chapter 2, 21 through 39. And uh, we gave special attention to the consecration redemption of the firstborn son. Talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, one thing that I learned since then is this, his, there's a historical timeline from Jesus' birth to the time his family returns to Nazareth is actually a mix of Matthew and Luke. And um, we were talking about this after church, after the sermon. I'm like, well, let's do a little bit more digging and think about it. And sure enough, it's there. Uh, last week, I was reading just from Luke. I didn't overlap things. I didn't want to overcomplicate where we were heading with this. But it is important to give some context. So before we talk about the main focus of today's message, I want to set up this timeline where we go back and forth between these two books, Matthew and Luke. And before we begin that, you might be wondering yourself, Pastor, why aren't you talking about Mark and John? They're the other two Gospels. Simply put, Mark and John do not cover the earliest years of Jesus. When they begin their Gospels, Jesus is a fully grown man. So that's why we focus on Matthew and Luke today. So let me just take you back here at the beginning of Luke. You you don't have to flip through, but your your, uh, notes will kind of bring these up. Uh, Luke 2, 4 through 7, Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem to register for the Roman census. This is where Jesus is born in a stable and laid in a manger. That's the the nativity scene we see on a regular basis. You jump to verse 21, and it's the eighth day, and Jesus is circumcised. This is also the time where he's publicly named Jesus at that point. And this is their first trip to Jerusalem. They they go in for this public religious practice, and he is publicly um, named Jesus. He is circumcised at that point. Um, To kind of dip back into Matthew, if you see chapter 1, verse 25, there's the the last verse there. Uh, It says, they gave him the name Jesus. And I see this as an overlap between what we just read in Luke, what we were just talking about in Luke, and uh, and, and the the naming ceremony prior to that. And after the ceremony, it's likely that they didn't stay in Jerusalem, but rather headed back to Bethlehem. I mean, what if they didn't have any place to stay? Luke 22, 40 days have passed. And they would have fulfilled the time of purification, which again, we looked at last week. And so they headed back to Jerusalem from Nazareth. And this is the second trip that they come into the city. The events would have unfolded uh, last at this point, like we talked about last week with Simeon and Anna prophesying about Jesus and spreading the good news. But between verses 38 and 39, this is where there's a time gap. Luke, who doesn't address King Herod at all. If you've noticed that, if you picked up on it, he doesn't talk about King Herod. And he does not go into the story of infant side, which we see in Matthew, and the family fleeing to Egypt, which we see in Matthew. So between this presentation of Jesus at the temple with Anna and um, Simeon and all that, we have something that happens. We have Matthew 2, 1 through 12. We have the passage that we will look at today. The differences, there's a few differences I want to point out between Luke and Matthew's early chapters. Luke and Matthew have some clear differences in their Gospels. And if, you, if you're looking for, and I was always wondering this, when we were reading through um, the book of Luke, 
during Christmas a couple years ago, I was like, where's the story of the Magi? Where is that story? It's not in Luke. Luke has the story of the shepherds being called to the manger scene to see this little baby, to worship him. If you want to hear the story of the shepherds, you go to Luke. Now, if you want to hear the story about the Magi, you flip your Bible open to Matthew. And one last thing before we dive into Matthew's account of the Magi. Yesterday, on the Christian calendar, was a day called Epiphany. Now, a brief overview of Epiphany uh, right here. Uh, No matter where you live in the world, it commemorates a special time in the life of Christ. That's really what it was. Uh, Eastern focus, and what it is, Eastern focus is actually on the baptism of Jesus, I learned. Uh, This day there is usually called Theophany which has other meanings in uh, scripture as we look through. But essentially what it means, focusing on the revelation of Jesus' fully human and fully divine nature when he is revealed as the son of God as he went down into the waters and came back up in the dove and everything. But in the Western Christianity, we tend to focus on the visit of the Magi. Jesus is revealed there as the savior for both the Jews and the Gentiles. And when you learn something new, You know, in cartoons, they have the little bubble and it's the light bulb, right? When you learn something new, you might say the the word, aha, or eureka, or say, I had an epiphany. Epiphany what? Epiphany. It's a special revelation. And that's what's happening here. Jesus is being revealed in a special way. And so let's look at the scripture together, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Christ who is to be born King, uh, who is to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country, their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we might get bogged down with details and timelines and other wonderful things. But lately, when reading the Bible, I have been challenged to ask the following question. Where do I see God in the scripture? Where is God showing himself? How is he revealing himself? 
Because, of course, epiphany means appearance or manifestation. That's what the word epiphany means, appearance or manifestation. So how does God show up here? In this passage, he shows himself as the provider. Do I have you yet? Here's where I see him as the provider. He provides for two people groups, non-Jews, and specifically in this story, Jesus and his family. And I want to unpack that just a little bit. You see, he provided for the non-Jews, the Gentiles, through speaking through signs or the stars to the Magi. These were the things that spoke to them. They understood them. They looked up at the sky. And God spoke to them through them. He showed them signs through that. He also drew them to worship him. And it was worshiping God at great personal cost. As we look at the gifts here in a few minutes, we'll talk about that as well. Supernatural appearance of the star guides them exactly where they need to be. They had a specific and supernatural event happen to them. A star was moving along and guiding them to a specific place. And then they're guided once again by not a star, but a dream. Three guys having a dream. And that dream, how how to safely head back home. So God provided for these non-Jews, for these Gentiles, in many different ways. But he also provided for Jesus and his family. He provided a home. Yes, they're no longer in a stable, both mom and dad, although Joseph, you know, fair enough, is not talked about until the next passage. We can assume he's still in the picture because he is in the next passage. Magi then, so they've got a home, But also, Magi come to present these gifts to the Christ with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Though they're symbolic in nature, these gifts would also help fund the needs of the family. Uh, Biblical archaeology website says, These valuable items were standard gifts to honor a king or deity in the ancient world. Gold as a precious metal, frankincense as perfume or incense, and myrrh as anointing oil. If you flip back in your Bible to um, when Solomon was on the throne, people were bringing him presents all the time. This is nothing new, especially gold. And a lot of times that's how they got their stockpile. Oh, we'd get favors, we'd we'd curry curry, uh, friendships and stuff like that. Uh, But you would always bring a housewarming gift for the king who has everything. Well, you give somebody who has everything, well, you give them your best, your most costly possessions. And that gold uh, typically would pay for this family's needs, as they soon would be in exiles. We'll see here, and if, we'll, if you read on, you'll see that they escaped Egypt. Frankincense was part of the worship of the temple. Incense could provide for them for the ability to worship. And then myrrh, of course, an anointing oil representing uh, his messiahness but also an embalming oil used used for that purpose as well. These gifts honored his lordship, his priestly position, and Christ's ultimate sacrifice. So that's how God provided for Jesus and his family, how God provided for the wise men. And so here's my conclusion to this. God is our provider. He is our provider. How so? Well, 
I mean, just look around. But let's get specific and connect our dots with what we've just seen here in the story. God provides attention getters through changings of the season, through nature, sun by day and stars and moon by night. He provides them and those things point us to him. I don't know how anybody could look up at the night sky, clear as, clear as anything, and not just marvel at those white dots up there and the moon. And if you're lucky, maybe a little red one where you can see Mars with your eye. How amazing that is. And you get a telescope and you get a better picture or then you get the pictures that come from NASA or those types of things and just marvel at God's creation. It didn't just happen on accident. It's not just a Jackson Pollock painting where he slaps paint all up against a wall. It is beautiful and it reflects the beauty and creative nature of the one who created it. And he gets our attention through those things. He also provides, much like the Magi, he provides opportunities for you and I to worship. Here specifically, we're here on a Sunday morning. It's a place each week where you and I can join together under one name and under one roof to sing praises to his name and learn from his word and bring glory to him together. Where else do you get to do that? He provides other times, of course, and places in our individual day-to-day life where we can worship him and, and learn and grow and pursue him. Maybe in your quiet time, your prayer closet, wherever it is. Maybe just in the moment as you're caring and sharing for someone. So attention getters, God provides those like he did for the Magi, opportunities to worship him. And he can provide significant events, significant events for you and I that draw us in right where we need to be. It might not be a star settling over a house, but you know if you've experienced a specific, significant event in your life that you knew was from God. For me, I've had a few. I've shared them throughout messages, so I'll just give you the highlights. There was a young mom in the heart of Harlem giving a sad tack of college student, some words of ministerial encouragement, complete stranger, and then also giving him a hug. And then a call from my own mom, a different day, asking me to consider serving as a children's pastor at their church. And then there was a significant event that wasn't really enjoyable, where I got a rejection post-college from a church I had interviewed at, only to then soon after that be asked to join a church plant on my home district. One day I had a conversation about ministry and interns with a youth retreat evangelist that led me to accept a call to ministry and what I call speaking for God, plainly put. Those are snapshots of my life little bits and pieces of my story where God had a significant event where I put my finger on it and said, God was drawing me in right there in this very moment. It might seem insignificant to you, but it was very significant to me. And if you've ever had one of those moments in your life, you know what I'm talking about. I can't express to you what yours is, but you know what's going on in your mind and heart right now. 
I would encourage you to do something with those, those events, those activities. They're in your heart and mind right now. They need to get out. They need to go on paper somewhere, on a computer somewhere. You need to share them with your friends, your family, your neighbors. When God interacted with you and drew you in with a significant event in your life. How did he guide you right where you needed to be? All of those pieces I shared right there are part of the story that got me right here in front of you today. And I hope that's a good thing for you. I hope you enjoy that idea. (laughs) But I want you to know that that's part of my story that brought me here. And with the Magi coming, going home safely, I was thinking about this. It might sound a bit cliche, but it's nonetheless true. If God guides you to it, he'll guide you through it. He sustained and warned the Magi to head back on a different route. And this safety was not just for them, but at least helping them, or even just at least helping them not to be a party to infant side, but for the safety of the Messiah and his family. God carries us through, and we will have seasons where God will guide us to move on to the next thing. Go a different route. Don't go back to Herod, so to speak. Sometimes divine guidance and timing are just way beyond us. We don't understand it, but when God speaks, we need to listen, and we need to follow where he leads. When God gives a clear message, we can't sleep on it. We've got to get up and we've got to go. So those are the ways that we can be like the Magi in this, where God has guided us and provided for them. He provides for us. How does he provide for the Holy Family in connection with us? Well, God provided for you and I, like he did for them, providing a physically stable place for our family to stay. For ourselves, we don't know how long this, the Holy Family had in that house. Um, they didn't have to stay in the stable with hay and animals forever. God provided area of shelter for them, and he provides areas of shelter and safety for us. It might be a home, and everyone here I know has a home, and we're so thankful for our homes. In fact, one of the traditions during Epiphany, I learned this as well as researching it, was actually, uh, and, and perhaps more liturgical churches still do this, is anointing homes with holy water. Uh, anointing the, the houses, probably door frames and things like that. That's part of that tradition. But we are grateful and thankful for our homes in places of safety. But it may be, if you're listening online right now, somehow you're hearing this message, you might be without a steady home. You might know somebody who is without a steady home. You've met people. But perhaps they have friends and family, and those people can be the best place for them to experience the presence of God, the safety and the warmth. You could be that safety and warmth for them too, I want to say. So God provides physically for shelter and safety for us, but he also provides for our needs, much like he did for Jesus and his family. The gifts of the Magi were no joke. They had spiritually symbolic worth as well as intrinsic 
earthly worth. So they were spiritually symbolic, but also intrinsically earthly in worth. Where can you and I find the things that are intangible in our life and also tangible and give God praise and thanks for providing those needs and perhaps even our wants sometimes? God is our provider. He provided for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. He provided for those gift-giving magi. He provided safety for all involved, and he still provides today. What do you need him to provide for you? Think about that. What is it that you need for him to provide for you? Is it an answer to prayer? I want to point out this list that we have before us. Talked about it earlier in the service. Multiple people with medical conditions right now, of course. Multiple needs. Hearts far away from God. People on our hearts and in our lives that do not know or love Jesus. Our prayer list is getting long and detailed. But my friends, hear this. It is not too long for him. It is not too big or complex. And there is no prayer too small or insignificant that you might think, God doesn't care about this. Why am I praying about this? I just lost my phone. It's it's not that big of a deal. No, pray about it. He cares for the big and the little things. I want you to look at the backside of your um, prayer list today. I want you to take this prayer list home, maybe hang it up. I know we refresh this every week, but this one uh, is special. I want to challenge us today. Um, There were three gifts mentioned in this scripture, the gold, the frankincense or incense, and myrrh. And so what I want to challenge you today with the writing implement that I made sure you had earlier is take some time right now. No pressure as to how long it takes you to write it. You can take it home if you feel like you need some more time. That's okay. But I want you to think about and pray about as we can close our message today, what three blessings or prayers do you have for your Lord? Because these wise men were somebody special. <laughs> they, were, they were well off. They could travel. They had these expensive gifts. And yet they pursued this king that they only heard about and learned about through signs and visions and stories. And they laid their best down. They laid what they had down before him. And for you and I, maybe all that we have is our burdens, our prayer requests, our blessings. That if we hold them too closely to ourselves or think that we are better managers of them than our Lord, we are mistaken. And we will do a very poor job of that. So what is your prayer request? What is your blessing that you need to lay down? Who is it that you need to bring before Jesus today? I want to give you some time and then um, we're going to close in a, a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, as we conclude our, our time together, I want to invite my brothers and sisters to lay down these gifts. And we lay them down repeatedly. We don't carry them around like we can do something with them. 
these requests, these blessings, these whatever it is that we are laying at your feet today, we declare them as yours. They're not our possession or property. They're not our worries or concerns. We can be. But when we bring it under your lordship, we have nothing to worry about. And ultimately, you have the whole of responsibility. And we will follow and love you. God, as we um, begin this time in prayer, I want to just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Help us, Holy Spirit, to sense your presence and to reach out in prayer today as we see these needs and these concerns, whether they be the three or more that we wrote down just now or the ones that are on the other side of our prayer list, these folks that we care so deeply about. We cry out as a people. We come to you with our burdens and our blessings. So God, I just want to ask that you would bless the next one who prays.
Lord, we are so grateful for all that you've brought to us. I pray that you would be with us as we go from this place to keep our minds focused on you. Help us to keep our minds and hearts focused on doing the things that you want us to do in this life. God, I pray for each and every person on our list today. We pray for Tim. We pray for D.S. Andy. pray for Chelsea, Heather, Laurel, Christine Young's mom, Jackie's uncle, Donna's nephews, our church, our world, and our community. We lay all of these things down before you, for you're the only one who could do anything about them. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.